The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's not another Buffalo podcast. The bi-weekly show hosted by three of the most underqualified sports personalities this side of the canal. With Pat. Uh, and people want to hate on him, but like, Matt Ryan was a generational talent. Like, say what you want. Oh, oh. The biggest comeback in Super Bowl history away from being Super Bowl champion, Matt Ryan, too. Rando. Hey, Pat, would you say Drew Brees or Matt Ryan is generational? Both. Both have MVPs. And John. Pat, I have a question right. for you. Is Cam Newton a generational talent? I mean, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yes. No. Say this. Joe Flacco not. has a Super Joe Bowl Flacco. MVP. Look at the stats, dog. Look he has a Super Bowl look, MVP. Look, look at the, the stats. Your argument said that Matt Ryan went to a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco won a Super Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, and then people I were like, Joe, Joe Flacco, Flacco elite. On Buffalo Rumblings. All right, welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. I'm John, and I'm here with just Pat today. Brano had to do some stuff, so uh, he is out, but uh, he'll be back for Wednesday's episode next week. But yeah, it's uh, this is like the OG episodes, Pat. You know, like episodes, I think it was one through three. I think we did three episodes before Brando hopped on with us. And uh, we had him on as a guest. And then we're like, we got we to gotta keep this guy. Yes. So. No, definitely. It is. It is strange. <laughs> it's like um, with Rush when Neil Peart hopped on the bandwagon and they just started really making some great music. So Exactly. Yeah. He's actually at a uh, graduation tonight. So props yeah. to him. Yeah, so uh, Pat and I are just going to do a quick episode for you here today. Just wanted to say another thank you to Anthony Marino for hopping on with us on Wednesday's episode. That was really cool. If you didn't get a chance to go listen to that, um, it's back in the feed a little ways. It was fun. We got to uh, draft our preseason all-star teams or our Bills all preseason teams, however you want to say it. Twitter poll is up on our feed. It should still be going by the time this episode comes on on Friday, but don't quote me on that. But I believe Brandon has taken a commanding lead after drafting Nate Peterman, Christian Wade, and Nick O'Leary, I think was his tight end. But Pat, I think, you, uh, I think you're in second in the Twitter poll right now. I'd have to check. Interesting. But yeah, people, people like the deep cuts, apparently. Deep cuts. Well, Brandon Habermas is a man of the people, I will say. He is, yeah. He's a, he's a household name type thing. And I think he figured out that that's what you need to do to win these polls. Not that these polls matter for anything, but yeah. So Brandon's leading the way with 44% of the vote. Pat is in second with 27% of the vote. And Pat drafted Jabron Hamden. <laughs> I had to look up how to spell his name because I couldn't remember. 
uh, Fred Jackson and Naaman Roosevelt. So good, good cast of characters there. I think that'd be, that'd be interesting on the field. Yeah, dude, Jabron Hanman, you should have won the draft, uh, just based off of pulling that name out of a hat, honestly. Yes. One of those names that sticks out. But on uh, on today's show, we got a pretty good topic. But before we get to that, Pat, I was going to tell you about this because you're the one who brought it to my attention last week and we haven't talked about it since. But we got an email from Josh from Raleigh, North Carolina, which is hilarious because this is right after uh, Pat got a phone call from our old band director. Shout out Mr. Bolton if you're listening to this podcast. Like I didn't know he was a listener. That's pretty cool. But yeah. Robo Geltron with an idea for a new segment talking about former players and current players and their relationship with the fans. And, and lots of fans have really cool stories about their interaction with current and former players. So we'd like to create a segment around it to kind of highlight some of that stuff. So it could be a couple different things. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to email us, you can do that to notanotherbillspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can shoot us a Twitter DM, but even better would be email us a voice memo. So like, do a little voice memo and tell your story. And uh, if you're okay with us using it on the show, then we'll be able to plug it right in and you'll be able to tell a story on the show. So like I said, that's not another Buffalo pot. Sorry, not another bills podcast at gmail.com old email address. Um, and if you can't remember that email, if you go to any of our social pages, which is just Twitter, actually um, there's a link in our bio. That's basically will take you to a landing page that has our email down at the bottom. If, in case you want to send it to us. So, yeah, I think that'll be a fun segment to talk about that and and highlight some of those interactions that we've or other people have had with players. So not sure how often we're going to do it on the show, depending on how many you guys want to send in. You know, if we get a lot, then we'll do it every show. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was a cool idea. So uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's segue into our main topic today. Pat brought this up over the weekend and we didn't have time to fit it in the show on Wednesday. And I thought it was pretty interesting. So uh Pat, you were reading uh, an article by Tyler Dunn from uh, GoLongTD.com, right? Yes. Uh, it was like, I guess, sort of a bio piece on Willie Sneed, but it, it had some interesting information about some interactions with players that he had. And I'm glad that you were able to take a look too. I mean, basically just to like sum it up, uh, Willie Sneed just said that it's a really difficult offense for wide receivers to play in, in terms of A, passing the ball and then B, getting you know, plays called their primarily wide receiver looks. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then, you know, after hearing that and sort of like thinking it was kind of scathing, but true, I uh, I did some research also on his stats as a, as a coach. And, you know, I think that it's super relevant with the Lamar Jackson situation going on. And I don't know, I think Greg Roman might be the reason that Lamar doesn't get paid. But yeah. You and I are Lamar stands like you, especially we don't talk about Lamar that much on this podcast, but, uh, for a bills podcast, we talk about Lamar a lot, I'd say. So, uh, super talented player, awesome dude. But yeah. What, what else can you tell us about that situation? Or you got some stuff you want to, you, yeah, some points you want to talk yeah. about? So I was just going over because, um, you know, you have Marquise Brown leaving in the off season. Um, he's their only thousand yard receiver. But then I just was like, you know, let me take a look and see who their top three wide receivers are. It's uh, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, who's almost 30 years old, and James Proch. And out of them, Bateman has the most with like 500 receiving yards. And um, I can actually pull up their stats right here. So with Marquise Brown leaving, obviously um, going back to play with uh, his teammate, the doll in stature. 
Mr. Kyler Murray. You know, that, that leaves a pretty significant drop off. I do have written in my notes also that before I go and talk about how weak this receiver situation is, I should acknowledge that Mark Andrews is a God. And, um, you know, obviously he did have 107 receptions with, um, 1300, almost 1400 receiving yards and nine TDs. But if you look, I mean, Rashad Bateman, he's, he's their third leading receiver and he's at 46 catches for 515 yards and one TD. So I don't know. It just makes me happy to be a Buffalo Bills fan. It makes me happy that we have the the front office that we do and that, you know, we're four deep at that position, really. Yeah. If, and uh, probably most, most importantly, Greg Roman lists <laughs> as a franchise, yes. like, you know, we, you brought this up as kind of a hot take, I, th- I think out of nowhere, a couple episodes ago. And then, you know, Brandon and I were kind of like, well, I mean, it seems like when they're not injury ridden, the, the Baltimore offense is pretty deadly, but you make a good point. And actually this article makes, doesn't necessarily make a point because it is a Q and a article, but it, it kind of sheds some light on what Greg Roman's focus is in the offense. And he is, you know, for, for a couple of years there, he was a run game coordinator, I believe. And that's what Willis needs. Like, yeah, that's what he's good at. You know, good at coordinating a run game. Um, great at, you know, designing stuff for tight ends, but not really creative when it comes to the receiver passing game. And so he said that, you know, that's why Baltimore is always drafting young receivers because they have trouble getting free agents to come there. And, uh, hard to get people to stay like Hollywood Brown who just left. And, uh, you know, anyone he said like anyone who's not a tight end doesn't really like that offense. So Lamar's in kind of a weird spot. You know, I don't, I don't follow a lot of Baltimore beat guys, but I'm, I'd be interested to hear if there, I mean, is there any negotiations going this off season? Cause he's, he's at OTAs, which I give him credit for. I mean, but cause he's, He's in the fifth year of his rookie deal, right? Yes. So they they already picked up his fifth year option. That would have been two years ago. Um, same year Josh did. Because um, he was a first-round quarterback. Uh, so we had a fifth-year option. But yeah, it's not signed beyond the 2022 season. What do, what do we think his future looks like? Does he, you know, maybe we're overreacting and the, and the guys in Baltimore are like, they're going to pay him at some point, you know. But I'm I'm really surprised that they didn't already because... After he had an MVP season, the quarterback market was in a much different spot at that point. Can you, let's see, what what season was his MVP year? So that's 2019, which Lamar throwing 37 touchdowns there was 16 more than any quarterback had ever thrown for Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator, which is a pretty cool stat. 2019, what, what was the quarterback market like in 2019? Okay. NFL's biggest contracts for 2019. Number one was Russell Wilson at 35 million. Number two is Ben Roethlisberger at 34 million. Aaron Rodgers, 33.5 million per year. Let's see if we go 2020 here, because that might have been the year they would have had to extend him. Okay. D- uh, Dak Prescott finally got paid 31 million a year. Russell Wilson was the second highest. So 31 million. Okay. So you're looking at if you make Lamar Jackson. The highest paid player in the NFL. Yeah, after that MVP year. After that MVP year, you're looking at a $32 million average annual value or 30 to 35. Yeah. So if you signed him after his MVP year, I mean, regardless of what the actual number is, it'd be significantly less. Yeah, close because to like Josh, at Josh least Allen's, what's, what's Josh Allen's contract? Like, like 42 million, 42, 42, 43 a year. Yeah. 
And so now, I mean, and Josh did slot in right below Patrick Mahomes' contract. So to be fair, it's not like, you know, if you're signing a contract as Lamar Jackson, you're going to have to get paid more than Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I wonder if the team feels like, I mean, it's not like he had a bad year by himself. I mean, he was had struggles around him. Their their whole team had injuries. He was injured for a lot of this season. But this wasn't the kind of year that you could give him a, a contract extension off of. I feel like that's why they're yeah. that might be why they're letting it play out for a year. It, it seems logical to lock these quarterbacks up as fast as you can because the a- average annual value is just going to keep increasing. Probably a ten million dollar difference. Which is good over the course of five, per- six years too. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, and again, they can do crazy things to, you know, however they want to lay out the contract. If they want to do, you know, it really is about the guaranteed money these days as well. So, so that money could look totally different than what the actual contract is. You know, look at the Von Miller contract. You know, it's six years, over a hundred million dollars, but it really is more of like a four year three to four a year, depending on when they decide to get out of it. So interesting though. I I hope they pay him. I, I really do. Yeah. And I, I just think that it's one of those situations too, where if you look back and that's kind of what scares me too, is that quarterbacks that Greg Roman has had in these situations, whether it's a Colin Kaepernick or a Tyrod Taylor, that dual threat role for them ends up biting them in the butt and they can never really post, you know, contract worthy passing numbers. And um, I'll give you a stat. Before Lamar Jackson threw 37 touchdowns in his 2019 MVP season, the most a quarterback had thrown for Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator in the NFL was Colin Kaepernick at 21 in a single season. So, I mean, it's kind of a situation too where, like you were saying about, you know, contract stats, It's that's what kind of gets me too is thinking like if you're almost doubling this guy's single season you know, passing touchdowns output over his entire career. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if it's, it would just be interesting to see someone else go in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, all I know is, you know, if Lamar goes to an NFC team that, uh, that pays him and, you know, cool. That's one less, uh, yes. really great quarterback in the AFC that we have to, to face every couple of years. And we play the whole division this upcoming year, which will be cool. Cause we talk about it a whole lot. The AFC North. So yeah, exactly. I, I mean that, that class, it's not quite the uh, the Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers class. Out of that class, I don't really see a third successful person because you know Josh Rosen's out. Of, you know, essentially yeah. out of the league at this point. You've got Sam Darnold, who's in Carolina, almost being traded for Baker Mayfield. I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, Baker Mayfield is in. He's in limbo yeah. right now with the whole Deshaun Watson thing, and you know, who knows what he should do if he's just gonna, you know hold out and see what they do with him. But it's funny to think about where Baker Mayfield ranks among NFL QBs. I saw this debate happening on Twitter a little bit today. Where would you put him out of the 32 starting QBs? What, what kind of range? Well, let's name some ones that are better than him, I guess. Well, um, I think it's easier to name the ones that are worse than him. Yeah, no, that's going to be a long list. I think you can pretty much say Sam Darnold at this point yeah, is worse. worse than Baker Mayfield. Zach Wilson, I guess. Zach um, Wilson probably Tua, still. Statistically, because he hasn't taken his team to the playoffs. That's um, true. Um, Mac is a weird argument. For the sake of this, let's just leave him out and say that, you know, put him above Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. Yes. What's his name? Davis Mills, probably. Trevor yep. Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, probably still. Carson Wentz from last year. Um, I'd put him on the same level as Kirk. 
Kirk Cousins, yeah, I mean he had a, he hasn't done anything special recently. Daniel Jones, yeah, I would put him above Daniel Jones. Taylor Heineke, yeah. Justin Fields probably still still close though. We'll see next year, but you know, Taysom Hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that he's one of the thirty-two necessarily. Would you put Jameis above Baker? If uh, that's tough, are you? Because if we're talking about like who would I want to start on my team, I'm. Yeah, I'd probably take Jameis. Me too. Um, Both rookie of the years, number one overall picks. Too interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how Jameson does. I, st- I feel like he's still got gas in the tank, you know? You know, maybe that LASIK so eye too. surgery hasn't quite kicked in yet. You know, I mean, he once- played amazing last year, though. He really did. He only threw, like, three picks. Like, he threw, like, 15 touchdowns and three picks. So, like, definitely. Yeah, he was playing of- good up until the point that he got hurt, you know, for sure. And he, uh, do you remember him kicking Green Bay's butt in the first game? Yeah, That was interesting. That threw, game like, four took touchdowns. place. Okay, trivia for you. Where did that game take place? Do you remember? Goodness. It was Green Bay versus uh Green Bay versus the Saints. Yeah. LSU Stadium. No, it was uh it was in Jacksonville, actually. Really? Which is hilarious that they picked that as a venue. Like statistically, Rogers plays the worst there in that in that Florida heat in September. So they and it's also the most expensive place for you know, Green Bay fans to travel to. So that's, that's, that's why they picked it and they won the game. So uh, good for them, I guess. But that's, so where, where does Baker rank on your list though? If you're talking 32, I think he's above 25, but not higher than 22. Yeah. At least from what he's shown. And again, like it's kind of hard to tell because he had that shoulder injury last year that I don't even know why he was playing. Like, yeah. Somebody in that building should have been like, hey, you don't need to play right now. Like, you're obviously hurting yourself and our team a little bit, too, at that point. You know, I don't know. Right now, I'm sure the Browns are waiting for somebody to need a quarterback, right? They're waiting for somebody to get injured in training camp or minicamp or something like that. It's some QB or some team becomes QB needy, and that's when they're going to be willing to give up an asset. But do you think... Deshaun Watson starts week one then, are you assuming, if this is the scenario? I don't think that Deshaun Watson getting suspended and and Baker Mayfield signing with another team are necessarily mutually exclusive. If if I was Baker Mayfield, I'm not playing another down for the Browns. Like, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him either. I mean, they did kind of backdoor him. Yeah. But. So I don't know. It's like it's like watching hard knocks play out or something like that. Like no one knows what's going to happen. I mean, the one thing that I'm sure of is, is Deshaun Watson really shouldn't be playing in the NFL. Like no, the dude belongs in jail. Anyway, before we get too into the weeds, uh, we did have a pretty cool, uh, feel good story with, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. This we're taping this Wednesday. So it would have been last night, but last night he was on AGT, uh, America's got talent. And a lot of his teammates, uh, came out to the field house and, uh, came back to one bills drive after hours and they all watched uh they all watched him perform together there's a pretty funny video on twitter of uh josh standing up on the table oh wait so they had they had like all the current bills watching it with them too yeah yeah they all came to support him that's awesome (laughs) it's it's a funny video you should check it out on twitter you know a little dirty sitting there all like embarrassed and stuff like that and they're all patting him on the back and you know so that was that was cool and you know Go back four years and we're talking about rebuilding this team and the culture that Sean McDermott is trying to build and culture, this and that gets thrown around so much. And we have this debate 
And, you know, especially this, this, this debate raged in Josh Allen's year, year two, when they really struggled, it was six and 10 people were like, wait, Josh Allen's year one, Sean's year two. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Sean's year two. Thank you. You know, people kind of disregard that word culture. Cause they're like, you know, culture is this thing that you can say that you have, if you're a winning team and you've got good players, but if you have bad players, even if you have a good culture, no one is going to be like, wow, they really have a good culture, you know, but. I think that the one of the reasons this team is where it is 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 not just because of the players, but because of some of that stuff. These are not these don't seem like the kind of dudes that, you know, they're not the bickering bills. They don't get on each other's backs when stuff is going wrong. I know we lost a bunch of close games last year, but it, it wasn't because they imploded. It wasn't like the Texans playoff game that we talked way too much about last episode. I don't know. What what do you think? How much how much of this team's success do you attribute to the culture? Well, I mean, considering like Wade Phillips was the last coach before Sean McDermott to, you know, win a playoff game or even take us to a playoff game. I think that, you know, and I'm not saying, and I think that culture, like you said, can be thrown around and someone could say that Rex Ryan had a good culture as like a a player's coach, but going to work and having fun and going to work and having fun while also being extremely successful are two different things, I guess, as well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, well, well said. I agree with you. And I mean, that, that ties right into training camp being at Fisher. You know, they're going to Fisher again this year for the first time in what, three years because of COVID and stuff. It shows that Sean McDermott still values that type of camaraderie because that's what Fisher is. It's forced camaraderie almost because yes. it's like going to college. You know, these guys are dorming together. Um, you know, they're with each other 24-7. They're waking up in the morning together. They're not just doing the things that they normally do together on a daily basis, like practice, watch film, you know, sit in the classroom, learn the playbook, uh, you know, install stuff. But they're doing the, you know, they're hanging out before bed together. They're getting all their meals together. They're, you know, someone's bringing an Xbox. It literally looks like these guys pull up. It's like a college dorm on move-in day. And, and, And that's cool. And that's why Josh Allen was quoted as saying, I love going to Rochester. This uh this week, which is so funny. I, I don't know if you saw Nizzy's tweet, friend of the show. He was like, I think Josh is the first person to utter those words. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, yes. But no, it's it's cool, and I hope we get to catch some of the action out at Fisher because it'll be cool to see these guys. Because um, it's it's really a gang of buddies at this point. And I guess that's true too with some of the guys that have come back as well, like Shaq and. And Jordan as well. That yeah, you know I mean? Matt Barkley. I mean, like the first yeah, week he was Barkley back, too. he was out golfing with Josh, and I think that's cool, and I think that's important. And you know, it, it it's also cool to see that as fans, you know, because we're like we're we don't actually know these guys, but we feel like yeah. like we, we kind of feel, feel like, like we we're their buddies, you know. And so it's like when we see them getting along. I mean, that's that's what you always wanted to believe that the Bills were, even though you know in the Rex Ryan years there was probably like these weird rivalries, and I mean. What's his name? Who's the guy who punched Geno Smith in the jaw? Uh, uh, I.K. and Campolo. Yeah, How do you say yeah. His name? I.K. I want to say he got a sack. At least with one the Bills? For the Bills. I, th- I think he did. That, Maybe that's not, a, though. I'm interesting not. question. That'd be like a hard trivia question. Who did who did he sack for the Bills? Do your homework. I'll, I'll throw it on the next 13 seconds trivia. All right. Well, I think that's all we got time for today on uh, on this one. But uh, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at Not Buff Podcast, and uh, make sure you vote in our poll. Um, give Pat some love so he can uh, make a comeback on Brandon. You know, Brandon's going to get a big head if he wins the Twitter poll by this much, and uh, we're not going to hear the end of it on next Wednesday's show. Well, he is a man of the people. 
And we miss you, Brando. Can't wait to see you next episode. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys again next Wednesday. And uh, like I said, we're going to do that new segment. So if you guys want to send us uh, your stories about your interactions with current or former Bills players, you know, just uh, shoot us a voice memo or a video in an email. So it's, that's uh, not another Bills podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter. Check the link in our bio, all that stuff. But uh, all right, Pat, we're going to get out of here for now. But uh, go Bills. Yep. Go Bills. Go Bills.